Let me share a few other thoughts with you from the Bible. I want you to trust the God of politics. Politics equals rulers. Politics equals government. The election in eight days. Sergeant Jumper dying. The decay of America. When we use the word politics, it includes all that and more. And I want you to trust the God of politics. We live in troubling times. But the most troubling thing is that any Christians are troubled. Let's not be troubled. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Do you know what he described when he said, let not your heart be troubled? Something as insignificant as the general election of 2020 in America? Or had he just told them that he is going to be betrayed into the hands of foreigners and they would crucify him? That's what he just told them at the end of John chapter 13. So when he said in the first verse of John 14, let not your heart be troubled, he was referring to that event. That great political event, the worst political event in the history of the world, the greatest violence ever done in any province, was what was done to the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. Because yet will I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. And Jesus Christ reigns at the right hand of God now, and there's no reason to be troubled. The most troubling thing to me is Christians troubled. There's no reason to be troubled. Jesus, the Son of God, is the blessed and only potentate over all forever. He's the prince of the kings of the earth. We can see, read, and hear about more injustice in provinces than ever previously done because of the internet and forms of communication. No one ever worried about all the stuff that you worry about because they never saw it or heard about it. But we, it's just all thrown at us in this barrage of distracting news, even though nothing is going on significant in the history of the world. Politics is one part of God's chess game on planet Earth, raising up and putting down rulers and nations. The Bible tells us that in Daniel chapter 2, he raises up one, he puts down another. It's by decree of the watchers that those that reign on Earth will know that God puts over them the basest of men. By the decree of the watchers, the angels that are taking care of governments in this world, in Daniel chapter 4. In Acts chapter 17, the apostle Paul preaching on Mars Hill gave those philosophers something to think about. God has determined beforehand all the boundaries of your nations and the times before appointed. Everything that happens in a nation was was appointed by God beforehand. How far beforehand? before he created Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Known unto God are all his works from the foundation of the world. The most troubling thing to me is Christians troubled by what's going on. There have been troubling times in the history of America from the beginning. There's troubling times in the history of all nations from the beginning. The Lord's going to take care of us. One way or another, he always has. Can I, for a few minutes, then Eric, it's your job to have one one or two good songs to close us out. Um, I know I've changed the order a little bit. I just want to get a few thoughts in, then come and God of our fathers or whatever you've got that'll light, light you up. And we want to sing praise in just a few minutes. What, your call. I know, I shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> will you consider it personally with me for just a couple of minutes? The God of, will you trust the God of politics? Will you trust the God at all times that Daniel gave you from Psalm 62? Right. Ye people! 
Put your trust in Him at all times. We shall not be greatly moved. In fact, now that I think about it, we shall not be moved. Okay, are you all with me? It doesn't matter who wins eight days from now. Because God is still in charge. And that means God appointed the other party to win. We've been through it before. And the Lord took care of us. If you didn't make money under President Obama, you weren't working. It was easy to be made. The Lord took care of us. I want to help you consider it personally, not preceptively. When I preach it preceptively, I'm turning the pages of the Bible, looking for the precepts given in the book of Ecclesiastes, the book of Proverbs, and other places about authority. I don't want to do it. I don't want to give it philosophically or providentially. I want you to think about persons involved. So when you think about you as a person, you can relate to some of these people. I want to simplify it to a few Bible stories to comfort individual hearts to trust Zion's king. God's care for us is personal. Right. It's not just national. It's personal. Because Jesus died for us as persons. Amen. And the Father loves us as persons. And his love for us is passionate and it's perpetual. Right. I kind of like those two words. Passionate means for right now it is hot. And perpetual means it never gets cold. He just keeps right on loving us forever and we can't be separated from his love. Have perfect faith and hope in God at this time before the general election. God is totally in charge of all aspects, large and small. We have been here before and he worked it for our good. We have a better president now than 60 years ago when John F. Kennedy was elected, 100 years ago when it was Harding and Coolidge and Woodrow and, I mean, Wilson and Roosevelt and others. We live in one of the better parts of the United States, being here in South Carolina. Thank you, Lord, for that. The little events that are thrown at you by the news, distracting news. There's fake news, distracting news. And any news that doesn't bring it back to the Lord Jesus Christ is not faith-based news, and it corrupts men. There's no man alive, never has been, that can feed themselves that junk more than a few minutes a day without it diluting your love of Christ and the cause of his kingdom. It's dangerous. Even if what you're listening to is Fox News, which only tells the truth. And I speak as a fool. It doesn't matter whether it's true or not. It's of no consequence. What you're listening to, you can't change. What you're listening to, you can't even influence. What you're listening to is never brought back to God in being in charge. And so it dilutes you in how you look at life. We want a faith-based life and a faith-based worldview at all times. We know that the worst outcome that could actually happen, that could possibly happen, is actually the best outcome. What is the worst outcome? Someone is put in office that wants to kill us, and that's the best outcome. Amen. Abraham was forced to go down into Egypt by a famine. So who arranged it? Who forced Abraham into Egypt? God did. And he was afraid for Sarah and himself, so he came up with his own tactic. Forget the tactic for the moment. Did God take care of him in Egypt? Amen. Was his wife taken into Pharaoh's harem? Did God protect Sarah and Abraham? What, do you think Sarah might have been scared? Do you think Abraham might have been slightly scared? Mm -hmm. I hope Abraham was more scared than she was because he should have been for his tactic. Did the Lord deliver Sarah? Amen. Did the Lord deliver Abraham? Yep. 
Did he touch her? Did the Lord use kind words like this in dreams to those men? You're a dead man. That's my God. You're a dead man. How did Abraham leave Egypt? Poor, middle class, or rich? Wealthy, rich. Very rich. Because Pharaoh paid him enormously. These kings, one of these kings said to Sarah, I just gave your husband a, a thousand pieces of silver. And plus there were herds and flocks given as well. Abraham benefited. But was there fear? Sure there was. Did that same thing happen again in Genesis chapter 20? Oh, he did it again? Did the Lord deliver him again? Did the Lord make him further rich? Did you read, did you read Genesis chapter 26? where his son learned the bad example and tried it himself. Isaac tried it in the same country of the Philistines, and he ended up being rich. Wonderful stories in the Bible. It's so personal. These were individual men. They're going to kill me. It's me. They're not going to kill the nation. They're not going to kill the church. They're going to kill me. Sarah, you're beautiful. They're going to look at you. They're gonna, if they find out that I'm your husband, they're going to take you, kill me. Me. I'm trying to make it. I want it to be personal. Personal. What's going to happen to me? What if Joe Biden is elected? What's going to happen to me? The Lord's still in charge and you're still a child of God. Right. And you're still going to get a procession if you live long enough before Jesus Christ comes. And if, and if you're taken into heaven, I mean, if you die and you go to heaven, you're going to come back in the procession to get the rest of us. Do you believe Psalm 105? Look at it, please. Psalm 105. Just a few more minutes. It's been a different kind of a day in the house of the Lord. That's okay. Same old, same old is boring. Unless it's the Lord's love for us and thinking of Calvary and having communion every month. Amen. Please don't misunderstand me. But look at Psalm 105. I'm going to... I'm going to start at verse 12. God had given Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob the land of Canaan. But it says here in Psalm 105, verse 12, when they were but a few men in number. When they were but a few men in number. Yea, very few. And strangers in it. When they went from one nation to another. From one kingdom to another people. Down to the Egyptians. Over to the Philistines. He suffered no man to do them wrong. Yea, he reproved kings for their sakes, saying, touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. Right. You're a dead man. That's the Lord taking care of us. Ye people, put your trust in him at all times. Abraham loved his nephew Lot, but Lot and all that he had were taken by four kings that came out of Mesopotamia, 500 miles away at least. But Abraham brought all back by his 318 special forces, otherwise known as farmhands, trained for a little bit of combat. By God blessing him and his Canaanite confederates for a meeting with Melchizedek. I wonder if he'd ever met Melchizedek if Lot, if Lot hadn't been taken captive. This, this is what I want you to leave with, Matthew. I want everybody to leave with that. How rich did Abraham get 
because of his two poor tactics with the Egyptians. And I'm going to call them poor for right now and don't ask me about them. It's not the lesson. We've been over the lesson before. And the Philistines, they got rich. Joseph was harmed by Potiphar. Prison, left there by Pharaoh. For what? Why did all those bad things happen to Joseph? So that he could be put next to the throne of Egypt and save the whole church of God. Right. We never know what's going to come out of what we think is a bad event. Right. And some political, all these are political events. Systemic racism. The Egyptians hated the Hebrews. By Egypt against the Jews cost the Egyptians everything. Their nation was destroyed and they put the wealth that they had left into the pockets and hands of the Hebrews who left that night with their bread not risen. Aha! Systemic racism. Oh yes, bring it on. They left with the wealth of Egypt and Egypt was reduced to a base nation that it has been since. Do you remember Deborah singing in Judges chapter 5? Deborah has a song about the destruction of Sisera and the Canaanites. It's, a, it's beautiful, but she wants to talk about the, the widows and the women and the mothers back at home waiting for, to hear the sound of the chariots so that they can wonder what kind of spoil they're going to be able to divide up at home. But, but, but they never came. That's what Deborah's singing about. See, I like women like that. And I've got a wife like that. Deborah was singing about all the widows and the mommies who lost their boys in service because they fought against jail. They shouldn't have. Sergeant Jail. What a woman she was. I don't know that I married her, and I'm glad. <laughs> David was as low as a man could get it several times in his life by political conspiracies and events. Think of King Saul, think of Ziklag that involves several nations. Think of Absalom, political intrigue taking place in his own nation, in his own capital. But God gave him total victory in each case to gain and recover all. And on his legacy, God built the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Captive Daniel was captive, was castrated and despised in Babylon. For what? Help to the church of God. Daniel's grief at colleagues seeking to destroy him was answered by God's lions. He got to have them purr around him during the night. And the next day, his enemies, his peers, his colleagues that had tried to destroy him had every bone broken before they reached the bottom of the lion's den. Right. Did you know that joy? That should bring joy to your heart. Daniel had some of the best revelations made to him during his role in successive empires. Right. How scared was Esther? Taken into the harem of Ahasuerus. She became queen to save her people. And to assist Nehemiah, because the Bible says in parentheses, the queen sitting beside him. And what did Mordecai know what I'm preaching right now? Yes. How do you know that for this cause, you are not there to save us right now from genocide? Right. A politic, politic, God's, our God's the God of politics. The most horrible political event of all time was intricately predestinated by God and resulted in the greatest good of all time the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, Amen. according to the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. You with wicked hands have crucified and slain the Lord of glory, but God raised him from the dead. Amen. God wins, and we win, because he's our Father in heaven. 
Jewish persecution sent preachers out of Jerusalem, didn't it? Can you remember the first sermon? The first service? Jewish persecution sent preachers far away, 300 miles north for Gentile crowds and eventually to us. Roman persecution took the life of James, but Peter escaped out of prison because of a prayer meeting, and Herod did not escape, though he wasn't in prison. Do you understand that about our God? Do you understand that the life of James and everyone that was related to him and the loss they suffered because of James being killed, his murderer died shortly thereafter. Right. Systemic racism drove Aquila and Priscilla out of Rome. Do you know that's in your Bible? Yep. Claudius Caesar demanded all Jews get out of the city of Rome. What if he hadn't done that? Then Aquila and Priscilla would not have been in Corinth when Paul arrived in that city and needed tent makers to join occupation with. And together, Aquila and Priscilla became, in Romans chapter 16, verses 3 and 4, two of the most important people and a power couple in the churches of the New Testament. Right. All happening because of systemic racism against Jews. Racial, racism, racial persecution, however you want to look at it. The Jews have been a byword in all nations for thousands of years. Religious hatred of Jews for Paul was overthrown by God by a nephew and Roman law. He had an armed force that took him to Caesarea. It's huge in numbers. And it's one of the wonderful stories in the Bible because of a nephew. And when he was there and the Jews came up and they begged the authority, King Agrippa was there. We would like to, be, we would like to try this man, Festus and Felix, the governors. We would like him to be tried in Jerusalem where the crime occurred. And Paul knowing that they would kill him on the way there and that he wouldn't get a fair trial in Jerusalem, said, I appeal to Caesar. He wouldn't have had an appeal, except there was an appeal to Caesar by an occupying foreign army. On and on and on and on we could go. How does John start the book of Revelation? I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day? Or I was in the Isle of Patmos? for the word of God. He was banished to a little island. Can you imagine all the grief about the apostle John being there? How grief-stricken was he? I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Right. You say, he's all alone. Our beloved apostle John is all alone. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard a great voice behind me. Lord, lead me to Patmos before paradise. Let me go to Patmos where you can come and visit me and I can write the book of Revelation and I can write whatever else he wrote there. Oh, much more could be said. Be very careful in answering these rhetorical questions. They're not, rhetor they're not really rhetorical. What's the most important political activity and powerful activism that you can be involved in? Be very... Oh... The most important political activity and powerful activism that you can be involved in, righteous living. Because your prayers don't get anywhere without righteous living. And you know, by righteous living, we condemn the wicked. And we bring God's blessing, because he loves to show a difference from the borders of Israel. The most important political activity and powerful activism for you is to live righteously. Next. What's the most important polling place and powerful voting booth 
Yes. Your prayer, your closet, your prayer closet, the most important polling place and the most powerful voting booth is your prayer closet. Period. Do you really think your little vote's going to do something on Tuesday? I want you to make it. <laughs> I'll follow you there if I need to. Uh, not this coming Tuesday, but a few days from now. No, it's go, go into your closet and call on the Father in secret, and he'll show us something openly. That's what he, Jesus said. Pray to him in secret, and he'll show us something openly. What's the most important political manual that has the most valuable insider information? Right here. It tells us all that's going on, that everything's going to be okay, and we win in the end, and we inherit everything. That's what it tells us. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word, the honor given to a fallen officer, and all that we've done this day. Eric, please come and lead us in a song or two.